Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. We've had quite a few conquerors here this morning, conquering high school and college and grad school, so congratulations to all of them. Uh, anybody here run the mini marathon yesterday? Yeah, one? Man, you people need to get in shape. That's all. Congratulations. Another conqueror over there. You know, this is uh, Derby Week. I don't know if you all knew that being from Louisville or not. And uh, it's going to be the 44th anniversary of the fastest derby of all time. Anybody know who ran that derby? Secretariat. Secretariat not only ran the fastest derby of all time, then ran the fastest Preakness of all time. And by the time Secretariat got to the Belmont, they said, well, the Belmont's a long race, never going to be able to do it. There's another horse called Sham they thought was surely going to win the Belmont. But as the Belmont got going, Secretariat's lead just kept growing and growing and growing. Got a picture here. At one point, the jockey, Ron Turcott, literally turns around to see where the other horses are because he doesn't hear any footsteps anywhere, any football. He says, where are they? Uh, You see him turning around there to look. Secretariat would win the Belmont by 31 lengths. And set the all-time record, holds all three track records to this very day, 44 years later. So those are some conquerors uh, that we've seen today. But we're going to talk about the greatest conquerors that you've ever seen in your life. We're going to talk about somebody that's a greater conqueror than you could ever imagine. And do you know who it is? It's you. You are a greater conqueror than anything that we've ever talked about. Now, most of us sitting there right now aren't thinking, oh, yeah, I'm a conqueror. You know, come at me if you want. You know, that's not quite how we view ourselves. But we're going to see as we look into our scripture that we are the ones that are more than conquerors. So let's take our Bibles and turn over to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 down to verse 31. Now, the background of Romans chapter 8 is really important. In the background, basically what's going on in this. Before in Romans chapter 8, Paul talks about the fact that as Christians, we're not immune to having troubles and hardships. That sometimes we have a lot of problems. And then people ask the question, if I'm a good person, if I'm trying to live a good life, if I'm a Christian, why am I having all these problems? Where's God? And so basically what Paul tells us is, look, you are fallen people. We are not the people we were created to be. Uh, Since the Garden of Eden, we are fallen people. Our bodies get old and decay. We have sin. Uh, People do unimaginably evil things. We are fallen people. But more than that, we are fallen people in a fallen world. And and this planet isn't the planet God created it to be in the Garden of Eden. Uh, You know, things like like hurricanes and earthquakes and tornadoes and all the natural disasters that we see. That's not God's plan for our planet either. And so he talks in Romans chapter 8 and he says, you know, one day both people and the planet is going to see a renewal and a salvation and a completion to be what we were supposed to be. And then he says, well, what do we do up until that time? If we're fallen people on a fallen planet, that can get pretty depressing. And he says, yeah, but guess what? When you were saved, you became God's child. God is now in your life. 
There is no problem you will ever face that God will not go through it with you. And any problem you have, God can bring good from. That doesn't mean that everything's going to be good or everything works out the way we want it. But God can bring good in and through anything. Now, that's the background. That's pretty important background to where we start off right here. And that brings us to the very first thing we're going to see this morning. God is greater than anything that will ever come against you. So with all that said, look down at our scripture to verse 31. What then shall we say in response to all of these things? Now, what's he talking about here? Everything I've just mentioned. What do I say in response to? It's not a perfect world. We're not perfect people, but God loves us, forgives us, restores us. Uh, He's with us no matter what is going on in our life. One day we're going to go to heaven and find completion, both for our planet and for ourselves. What do we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, that's the question that starts out everything we're going to be talking about today. If God is for you, if God is on your side, then who can be against you? Now, Justin Bieber, everybody knows, man, Justin Bieber, big star, big singer, a lot of money. When Justin Bieber walks down the street, he doesn't walk down the street alone. And it's not just his posse that's with him. When Justin Bieber walks down the street, this is how he walks down the street shopping with a phalanx of bodyguards. Okay, those just aren't some weightlifters that happen to get in the picture. Those are all of Justin Bieber's bodyguards surrounding him in case an errant fan might want to come up and get a picture or an autograph or something. So when he walks down the street, he can be pretty confident he's going to be okay. He can have a bit of a swagger as he walks down the street because he's got his bodyguards walking out for him. But what if I told you this? What if I told you when you get up in the morning and you go out to face the world that you're going out with God on your side, not Justin Bieber's bodyguards, that you're going out with the Lord of all the universe, the creator of all things, the one that is in charge of all things, and then you're going out to the world with him. What kind of swagger should you have when you go out into the world? Yeah, that's me. Come on. You know, I've got God on my side. Look at that again. What do we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who's got enough nerve to get in your way? If you're going out into the world with God on your side. Absolutely no one. He goes on in verse 32 and he says, look, he didn't spare his own son. He gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? What a, what a wonderful passage of scripture that is. What he's saying basically is this. Look, how did you come to God in the first place? Let me tell you about your salvation experience. You were lost. You didn't have a hope or a prayer. And God came into your life, intervened, forgave you of your sins, and made you a new person. If God did that when you were in your sins and in rebellion, when you were in your sins and rebellion, if God loved you so much that Jesus died on the cross for you, If God loved you that much when you were in your sin, now that you were saved and a child of God, what's God going to do for you now? You see, sometimes we just think the power of God is limited to our salvation. The power of God isn't just limited to our salvation. That's where it begins in our life. That's just the starting point. But now you have the spirit of God and the strength and the power and the authority of God as you go through each and every single day of your life. God is greater than anything that's going to come against you. I look out in this room and I see the children of God. I see prince and princesses of the king of all creation. 
and you walk out in the world with that God on your side, what kind of attitude should we have? Well, if that's the case, then our scripture goes on and it talks about, but there are some things that try to derail us from that. Yes, God is with us, but what happens if we go out in the world without God on our side? What if we don't really go with God when we go out in the world? And what Paul's going to talk about, he said, there's two main things, two big things that attack us when we go out in the world and try to take us away from God and his love. The first is our sins, and what comes from that is regret and guilt. So regret, guilt, our sins are going to try to distract us from the love of God and take us away from God. And he says, not only that, there's a second thing that's going to try to do it, and that's your problems and troubles. Your problems and troubles are going to try to separate you from God and lead you away from him. And so those are going to be two challenges that we are going to face, that we've got to make sure God is on our side when we go out into the world. Because if we don't, these things can easily overcome us. And as a matter of fact, they do overcome us a lot of times when we miss sight of God. So with that said, let's take one at a time. First of all, he says, if God is on your side when you go out into the world... Your sins will not condemn you. Our sins will not condemn us. So that's the first thing that he says. Now, our sins often try to condemn us. But look down to verse 34. Who then is the one who condemns? Now, what he's talking about here is think of a court of law and charges have been brought against someone. And so you now have an individual who's had charges brought against them. Uh, They now have got to go to court and they've got to fight the charges. What Paul is saying here in our scripture is, who's going to have enough nerve to bring charges against you if God's the one that's defending you? That's not going to work out very well for them, is it? And so he says, who's going to bring charges against us if God is the one that is defending us? He goes on, look at verse 33. Who will bring any charges against those uh, whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies It is God who justifies. Now, what's the word justify means? Just means to behave in a morally right and acceptable way. How many people here, if I gave you a mirror, would look and say, well, there's a just person who behaves morally right and acceptable. Uh, You might not think that when you looked in the mirror. Because you know all the problems you have. You know your failures. You know the times that you go away and do things that you shouldn't do. But what our scripture says is you're not depending upon yourself to be just. If you had to depend upon yourself to be just, you know, be afraid. You know, you're not going to get it right a lot of times. But he says it is Christ who justifies us. You see, your sins were taken from you and put upon upon Jesus on the cross. You were forgiven because of his sacrifice for you. And therefore, it's not you making yourself just and being a good person. It's Jesus dying and taking your sins upon him. So if your sins have been made put upon Jesus and Jesus is making you just, who's going to condemn you now? He's the one that's made you just. There's nothing left to condemn. You're now forgiven and pure and just through what Jesus did with your sins on the cross. Now, what are some things out in the world that do condemn us, though? Well, I think one is the world itself. Uh, You know, the world and the culture in the world, we'll look at it and we'll say things like, "You're, you're wrong, you're not good enough, you've messed up, you're a bad person. You might hear that from your parents. 
You might hear it from teachers. You might hear it from authority figures or your boss or in a relationship that you're in. You're just not good enough. You've messed up. You'll never get it right. And we hear those things from the world, and the world often condemns us. Satan, one of his main tactics will be to condemn you and make you feel guilty. God will never, ever make you feel guilty. God wants to make you feel like you want to change your life, not wallow in the fact that you've messed up. There's a big difference uh, between guilt and restoration. Whenever you start feeling guilty and saying, you know, this is something that I want to wallow in, I'm bad, I'm not going to get it right, that's always from Satan. God will always bring you to a point of repentance, not a point of wallowing in your guilt. And so what we have here is we're told, okay, Satan's going to try to make you feel guilty and give up. You're never going to accomplish it. You're never going to get it right. And then perhaps what bothers us the most with our sins and the thing that we have the most forgiveness trouble with is ourselves. We don't want to forgive ourselves. God forgives us. The world might not care one way or another. Satan might have left you alone for a while, but we can't forgive ourselves. And we say, you know, so God forgives us, but we still wallow in that. I've told you this illustration a lot of times, but Billy Graham had a guy come to him one time and said, man, I've just done some terrible things in my life, and I've asked God a thousand times to forgive me. And Graham looked at the man and said, that was 999 times more than you needed to ask God to forgive you. The first time you sincerely asked him, you were forgiven. So sometimes we have trouble forgiving ourselves. So the world, Satan, we have trouble forgiving ourselves. All of those things condemn us. But we're told... Who can bring charges against us if God is on our side? Verse 34 again. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. So the world condemns us. Satan condemns us. We can't forgive ourselves. And then Paul says, who's got the nerve to bring charges against you? No one. Because Christ forgave you. And then he goes on and says, he died on the cross for you. But that's not the end of the matter. He didn't just die on the cross for you. He's now raised from the dead, sits at the right hand of God in power and authority, and is taking your case up before God. So who's got enough nerve to get in your way and condemn you? Nobody. Because Jesus is your defense attorney. And so the first thing he talks about is sin often condemns us and tries to take us away from God. But through God being on our side, no one can condemn us. Now, he then goes on and he tackles the second one. Okay, our sins cannot condemn us because Jesus is our defense attorney. He's on our side. He then goes on and says, okay, well, what about our problems and our troubles? What about our problems Uh, and our troubles. So look over uh, to verse 35. Our problems and troubles, he tells us, will not separate us from him. Look down to verse 35. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or the sword? So he leaves the sin topic and he starts talking about our problems and troubles. The second thing that happens is you will have problems and troubles. Now your sin is trying to condemn you. It's trying to make you feel guilty and have regrets that you just can't get over. He said, okay, that's been dealt with. But what about the other now? What about when problems and troubles come? Problems and troubles aren't trying to condemn you. Problems and troubles are trying to separate you. 
They're trying to build a wedge between you and God. Now, how can our problems and troubles build a wedge between us and God? Because what we begin to think is, if God loved me, wouldn't he be doing something? I've tried to live a good life, and I still have a problem. I still got sick. A loved one died. I still lost my my job. Uh, uh, How come the world isn't the perfect place I thought it was supposed to be? So where is God? If he really loves me, why isn't God doing something to help me? And so all these questions come into our mind, and our problems and troubles can separate us from God. So he goes on then and he says, okay, what kind of problems and troubles am I talking about? And he tells us hardships, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, the sword, anything you can think of, anything that is a problem in your life, relationship problems, uh, health problems, problems that you have that come from from work or or school or, or finances or whatever, any problem that you can imagine in your life is what he's talking about here. So he kind of just throws out a little bucket list there. In verse 36, uh, he quotes from the Psalms and he says, as it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep for the slaughter. And so he says, that's how it feels sometimes. We feel like sheep for the slaughter and there doesn't seem to be any hope. And so our our troubles can separate us from God because our troubles can seem so overwhelming. And so we begin to wonder, is there a way out of this? What can I do? Why isn't God doing any something? Why doesn't God care? Why hasn't he intervened? And that builds a wedge between us and God, the problems and the troubles and the hardships that we have. And it can cause us to do desperate things. When Sylvester Stallone, the the great uh, actor from the Rocky movies, when Stallone first started into... uh, uh, the, the movies, nobody wanted to hire him. He couldn't get a job. He'd written the script for Rocky, but nobody wanted to buy it. He got down to where he had absolutely no money. It was him and his dog, Brutus. He'd had Brutus since Brutus was a little baby. Brutus was a big uh, uh, bulldog. And uh, Brutus was starting to go hungry because Stallone didn't have enough money to pay for himself. And so one day he was walking down the street. Uh, a guy was coming out of a liquor store and he was talking about dogs. Stallone engaged him in a conversation. He said, I can't take care of my dog. I love my dog. I can't take care of him. Will you do something? Will you take my dog? So he sold the man his dog for $25 so that he'd have something to eat that week. $25 sold Brutus. Now, about two weeks later, he sold the script for Rocky with him starring in it. Now, you know the rest of the story. The movie became big. He made tons of money uh, off of Rocky. So the first thing he did was what? Got money, you go back and get Brutus, right? So he goes back to the guy and he says, hey, man, I want to buy my dog back. I know it's been a year and a half or so, but I want to buy my dog back. And the guy says, well, I don't know, you know. And uh, said, I tell you what, $3,000, I'll sell you Brutus back. And so Sylvester Stallone bought Brutus back for $3,000. And here's a picture when he very first got him back. Uh, Rocky and Brutus there. And he has written just recently in his autobiography, the best money I ever spent in my life was $3,000 to buy Brutus back. What you need to understand is that when Jesus went to the cross, he was buying you back. He was taking care of the sin problem that you have and his resurrection meant that you now know he's going to be with you every single step of the way. And that brings us to the last thing that we see in our scripture. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 
We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So he just said, what can separate us from Christ's love? Trouble, hardship, persecution, famine. We feel like we're sheep for the slaughter. We're being killed all day long. But then in verse 37, he starts out with a really interesting word. Okay, we feel like we're sheep for the slaughter. But no, you're not. You are not sheep for the slaughter. Your problems haven't overcome you. They are not the last word. They have not separated you from God. No, in all of these things. Now, what's he talking about when he says in all of these things? In all of these things, persecution, famine, nakedness, the sword, in every problem you may have. No, in every single problem and hardship you have in your life, you are more than conquerors. What an encouraging word. But now here's the problem. And we look at ourselves and we look at our life and what do we say? Oh, that's nice. We're more than conquerors. I don't feel like I'm more than a conqueror. I get up in the morning and I've got anxiety on whether or not I can get dressed and go out to work. I go to work and there's nothing but problems all day long. I feel bad every day because of health issues. A loved one just passed away. I don't feel like I'm more than a conqueror. So go back and read that verse again, because it's very important how that verse ends. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. The more than conquering isn't something that comes inside of you as an innate ability to go out and take over the world. The more than conquering comes from the fact that there will never be anything that will happen in your life that can separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. You see, nowhere in the Bible does it say you're not going to have any problems. Now, somehow we've gotten that that in our mind, but it's not true. As a matter of fact, what the Bible says is you're going to have all kinds of problems. And sometimes your problems are going to start after you become a Christian, not before. Because that's when Satan's really going to get after you. Uh, when you're trying to raise the level of your life. It never says you're not going to have any, have any problems. In Psalm 23, what's it say? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Does it say in that verse, oh, we're never going to have another problem? No, it says when you walk through dark valleys that feel like it's killing you, he's going to take your hand and get you through the other side. That's the promise of scripture. God's love will be with you no matter what you face. I said the background of this passage was so important. The background of the passage are fallen people, fallen world, all kinds of problems, but God's still there with you in everything. And that's exactly what we're being told there. Not that your problems disappear, but you're never going to go through another problem on your own again. Look at verse 38. I am convinced that neither death or life, angels or demons, things present or things to come, no power, no height, no depth, anything in all of creation is able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing will separate you from the love of God. Even if the problems and hardships you have kill you, He will raise you from the dead to be with him in glory forever. Our scripture started out when when I said the background with we're never going to be perfect in this world. It's never going to be right. Fallen people, fallen world. But God has a better world to come. And while you live in this world, he's going to encourage you and strengthen you and be with you every step of the way. And you're never going to encounter anything 
that he's not going to love you through and encourage you through and make you a conqueror in. I've seen people face some enormous things in their life and facing them with the power and love of Christ makes everything different in the way they live and in the things they do. I read an interesting story this week about a little girl by the name of Daisy who is seven years old. Daisy's had a lot of health issues in her life. She's got a very uh, severe disease. She's already had eight or nine surgeries at seven. Uh, She's in constant pain. And the Dallas Children's Hospital, where she goes, nominated her for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Well, they decided to take Daisy as as one of their people. And they said, where do you want to go? And Daisy's mom asked her, she said, I want to go to Disney World. Now, Daisy is a big Beauty and the Beast fan. You know, the movie just came out. And so, you know, she she wanted to meet Belle and everything. And so they told Disney, the Make-A-Wish people, is there any way that Disney can set up a meeting between Daisy and Belle when she gets to Disney World? So she gets to Disney World, and as she comes out, uh, she's dressed in her Belle costume. And believe it or not, Belle, here's a picture. Uh, Belle comes out to meet her, and Daisy starts crying. And then uh, Belle comes up and begins to talk to her, and they have a real nice conversation. Daisy leans over, hugs Belle, and said, This is the happiest I've ever been in my life. Thank you for coming and meeting me. And then guess what? What she's told is this. Daisy, I didn't come to meet you. I come to spend the day with you in the park. We're going to ride all the rides together. And so they took off together, walking through the park, uh, having their time together in the park. When it was over uh, and, and they hugged and it was gone, Disney characters are never allowed to leave their character's identity. And yet Belle started to cry as Daisy walked off. Now... As that happened, reporters came up to interview Daisy's mom, and this is what she said. My daughter is in constant pain, but for one day, she found joy in this life. This life can be constant pain for some of us sometimes. There's a lot of problems and troubles that will hit us, and the Bible never says that God's there to take it all away. But what it says is you're never going to face anything in your life that God won't go through it with you every single step of the way. When your sins condemn you, Jesus is your defense attorney. When your problems and troubles overwhelm you, he gives you a strength and an encouragement and a hope that goes beyond anything this world could ever imagine and ends with you being with him in glory forever. Those are things that nothing else in this world can provide. You are more than conquerors. There are a lot of things in this world that'll try to tear you down. A lot of things that'll try to hold you back. But when God is on your side, you can walk out with a swagger because there's nothing that's ever going to keep you from the love of God. This is Graduate Sunday. We've just had uh, some of our best and brightest uh, stand up here as they begin uh, a whole new journey, a whole new part of their life. And as you go out, that's the one thing I wanted you to hear. You can meet it with your intelligence and your hard work and your tenacity, and the world will still be a tough place. But when you meet it with the love and the power of God, you know that you are meeting it with a resource that nothing in this world can ever overcome. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for the love you have for us. I just pray, Father, that you would... 
Help us to realize that you are always there. You are always with us. Give us the encouragement that we need now. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, MyWRBC. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.